Hey everybody, so um, Sue is indisposed um, this week. She is um, actually on holiday in Sri Lanka with her daughter, Megan. Um, and it's quite funny actually. She um, got stopped at the airport and um, got searched, not like a strip search, but <laughs> quite a thorough search. Um, and it was funny because she was nervous to fly anyway and she's not used to flying on her own um, anywhere. So, um, yeah, so Sue was dressed in like a very flowery blouse and um, she had a, you know, a, her glasses on and she looked very respectable. She looked like a she looked like a mother, let's put it that way. <laughs> and um she yeah, so she turns up and she's got a just just a backpack with her, nothing else. Um because uh yeah, she's she's going uh backpacking basically with her daughter in Sri Lanka. Um so when she gets there, the last thing she expected was the third degree. <laughs> and uh yeah, they kept saying why are you traveling alone? <clears throat> Why are you traveling al traveling alone? And um, yeah, so and then they um, they were suspicious. <laughs> I don't know why they were suspicious, but then they uh, they swabbed her bag, um, drug swabbed. Now, if you know Sue, <laughs> the idea of her bag being drug swabbed is absolutely hilarious. Um, and she had a spare pair of knickers. Um, in a side pocket in her bag, um, all rolled up, you know, like, um, so that as soon as she got off the flight, she could, you know, have a clean pair of knickers. And um, they, apparently they took out this clean pair of rolled up knickers. And, uh, yeah, so they were swabbing that, and it was all very, very, um, you know, in, undignified, bless her. Um, I, I said to her, I was like, why didn't you just say you're going there to visit your daughter, because I have to admit, like, I mean, I hate to be a stereotype, a stereotypist, but, you know, the reality is, is that there's there's not many women who kind of look like her uh, in their 50s who go backpacking um, on their own. Um, I know that's, I know that that's not, obviously there are many people in their 50s who go backpacking alone, but, and who look kind of mother earth as she does um however um you know unfortunately people you know they stereotype and i said to her actually she looks like the perfect mule <laughs> she's like the perfect double bluff because you know she's almost too innocent <laughs> um yeah so that wasn't very nice for her but um it also is kind of funny anyway so she's in sri lanka with meg her daughter um she's there for about two and a half weeks so it's nice um yeah so it's me on my own this week and um so i figured well you know why not just have a rant and rave on my own because if there's one thing i love to do it's ranting and raving um yeah, so I I don't know what I was going to talk about. Um, there's been a lot going on in the news, uh, obviously with the 
the uh, the vote and um you know obviously brexit the never ending brexit um i'm actually i'm at the point now where i actually can't watch i find it difficult to watch the news because i just if i have to hear about brexit one more time i am literally just going to tear my hair out um i mean my my stance on brexit on brexit i uh, i i'm like the usual the usual lefty liberal you know i'm a corbyn fan so you can hate me if you want but i i love corbyn um cuz i kind of get corbyn cuz like you know um he people say oh he sits on the fence too much you know um he's got no he's he's not ballsy enough and all that shit but that's kind of what i'm like you know like i don't i don't believe in right or wrong i don't believe in black or white i think that everything is just an opinion and and i know that's wishy washy but um it's just the way i see the world you know it's the way i see morals you know like i have my own standard of morals obviously um but like you know if I meet somebody and they have a completely different set of morals to me, like I just understand that they're a different person and they're no they're no more right or wrong than I am. Who am I to say that, you know, I am God and everything I believe is correct, you know? Um so yeah, I'm I'm kind of I'm on the fence about a lot of things. The way I see life is just like you know, yes, I get passionate and I get angry about subjects and obviously I don't want to see people getting hurt and animals getting hurt and the planet getting destroyed but at the same time if I worry and I stress about it too much then I don't enjoy life and um as long as you look after the people around you and the people that that you love and you do the best that you can you know it's better just to it's better just to um Sorry, I just got, um, I had to pause the, the sound there for a minute. Um, you know what? I'm just going to tell you. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm going through some relationship stuff. Um, I'm going to try not to cry now. <laughs> uh... I recently got dumped, um, and I'm taking it very hard. Uh, I mean, <laughs> who doesn't who doesn't take and get dumped hard, eh? Um, rejection is one of the worst things you can experience in life, you know. Like, you know, sometimes this is a sick thing to say, but sometimes I wonder if death is actually <laughs> death is actually. I find sometimes almost easier to accept than rejection you know i had a a friend who um killed himself um when i was in my 20s and uh it was absolutely devastating um really seriously devastating especially because um the circumstances that it was was i was i was living with him with my wife at the time and we had a huge argument um which was mainly him and my wife actually uh, him and my wife actually um but 
you know, I was involved with the argument. And in fact, the argument was actually over me, <laughs> weirdly enough. Um, and he, he had lots and lots of other problems. His um, long-term boyfriend had dumped him. He had HIV, you know, he had AIDS. And um, he was uh, gay, living in South Africa, which was in, in, in and of itself extremely difficult, especially with Christian parents. Um, and... He was an alcoholic, and he was in serious trouble. And when we when we when we asked him to come live with us, it was to save him, you know. I, and I tried everything, everything in my power to save him. Um, I wrote a CV for him. I, um, you know, tried to get him jobs. I tried to stop him drinking. I told him I loved him so much. I hugged him, but he was on a downward spiral, and I, I couldn't stop him. And anyway, we had a, he ended up throwing a punch at my wife and drunk and he had a huge row with her it was a stupid argument about about me and it was because oh, it's a long story but basically I I have piercings and tattoos and I look back then I looked quite alternative so I look gay you know and um, his family wanted to come and meet us um, but he wouldn't let them meet me because he was scared about them he was in the closet you know and, um, yeah, I was too kind of alternative, I guess, too punky looking or something. Um, so my wife, I, I wasn't bothered. I, t you know, I didn't care. I was fine with it. Um, but my wife took it very personally and she had a go at him, um, and was angry that, you know, why should I not, why am I not good enough to meet his parents? Because he was a quite a well-to-do rich affluent Afrikaans boy um, but I, I didn't care you know um, but they were the problem is they were arguing in Afrikaans very very it got way out of hand and um, and I just tried I didn't step in you know I, I left them to it um, I didn't really understand what they were saying until he went to throw a punch at my wife and then obviously I had to step in then and say no that's enough you know you need to leave um, and we fell out, we didn't speak for like, you know, a couple of weeks, but um, I was never, like I was angry with him for throwing, a, for throwing a punch, but I wasn't like, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't the end of the world. Um, anyway, yeah, then he killed himself, um, he hung himself, um, and the family blamed us, um, we, you know, we blamed ourselves. It, it was just awful. Um, but whenever I've come across death, like, it's horrific. And you're left asking a lot of questions and then you mourn them. But I always find with death that it's so much more final and it's, it's painful, but it's not kind of a pining pain. For, well, it's not for me anyway. I mean, I've never had anybody die that was, you know, like it'd be different maybe if it was someone, somebody like my, you know, a much, much more, you know, huge person in my life, like, you know, parental figure or, or, or a daughter or a son. I mean, I can understand that would be completely different, but I've not experienced that. Um, but I find with death, it's final. And, you know, within three to six months, as long as I get closure, um, I kind of come to terms with it, 
But I find with relationships, when I'm, I've not been rejected that many, maybe like three times, four times, but um, when I'm dumped, rejected, it's a whole other kettle of fish for me. Um, I get really... I can't handle it because there's always that hope in my heart that they might want me back, you know. Um, and the problem with me is that when when I fall in love with somebody, sorry, when I fall in love with somebody, um, for me, it's life. You know, I, I'm not I'm not thinking like, oh, this is going to be a two year, five year thing. For me, it's like, you know, I see my future with them. I see starting a family, um, you know, getting married and, and, you know, forever and ever and ever and all that shit, you know. Um, so when I'm rejected and, you know, they they don't want to speak anymore or they do want to speak but they just want to be friends. Um, it, I, honestly, I'd rather deal with death because... I am a fighter, you know, deep, deep down. I, I always fight for everything. And that's not so good when it comes to the end of a relationship. Um, because I just, I can't give, I can't give, I can't give it in. I can't accept it, you know. Uh, I go through, when, when my wife left me, oh, Jesus, I went through, the seven, I think it's the seven stages of death, and it was it was the only way I could deal with it was to accept to almost to almost tell myself that she died, because if I didn't do that, I would have just gone insane. I would have literally lost my mind because I would have been begging for her back, you know, tr trying to either that or been in denial and just not accepting it. Um, and what I find funny about the end of relationships is, um, I mean, there was one, one girl who, who left me and that just felt very, it felt final, you know, um, that was different somehow. Uh, but to be fair, I wasn't in love with her. So I loved her, but I wasn't in love with her. And, um, so that was different, but I find with somebody that who I'm madly in love with, you know, and I'm, I don't see it coming. When I don't see it coming, that's it. That's that's the ones that get me. When I don't see it coming, that's when I'm in trouble. Because it's just such a shock, you know, and I don't know, how am I supposed to fall out of love with them? Like, how do you fall out of love with somebody, you know? Um, and they're telling you that they're not interested, but, you know, the, the previous day, like, what, what I always find interesting about being rejected by somebody who I'm in love with is that, you know, with, for example, with my wife, um, it, it's a very, very complicated situation of why we ended up, why she left me. But it's not, it wasn't kind of just me, you know, there was lots of other factors, including mainly because of the the fact that she lived in Africa and I lived in England and it was very, very difficult with visas. But like the day before she dumped me, um, before she left me, um, I was sat on a beach with her in Cape Town and she told me she wanted to have children with me and we she was like pointing at houses that she wanted. So I'm sitting there discussing 
you know, having a child, an actual child with her. And this wasn't me saying this to her. This was her saying this to me. Um, we're picking out houses. And then the very next day, she buys me a flight back to England and says it's over. Like, that is a head fuck, you know? That's what, and, and then I, I'm just supposed to, like, instantly, it, it, it's just crazy, you know? Um, and then, like, yeah, it's the same with, you know, um, this, this, my current situation. Um, she's just gone from, like, it just came from nowhere from my point of view. Um, not from hers, but from mine. And, you know, one minute she's ringing me up drunk and missing me, and then the next minute, you know, she just doesn't want to know. Uh, and uh, as, mu as much as I know, I know deep down in my heart, I shouldn't cling on to hope. Um, I, I, I just, I, I don't know how to stop... Being, I I don't know how to stop loving, loving her like um, I I don't know how to f switch off those feelings and fall out of love with somebody who is telling me that they don't love me that in that way anymore, um, and they I don't know they reach out occasionally she'll reach out to me kind of as a friend kind of thing then she'll just ignore me for days and then oh it's a nightmare absolute nightmare i don't know how i've got from brexit talking about brexit oh yeah because she she just she just emailed me that's it yeah she emailed me and you know i kind of i i'd, I'd emailed her to say look you know i, I get the hint <laughs> like because she'd made it very clear that she just was barely speaking to me anymore. Like, so I just said, okay, yeah, I get it, I get the hint. Um, and then I was expecting that to be it. You know, I was expecting like, right, she's never going to speak to me again, and I'll just have to try my hardest to, you know, move on and um, try and accept it. And just just as I'm thinking all this, and I'm I'm like you know, you know I, I <laughs> I'm trying to make my peace with it. Um, she sends me an email back in the middle of this podcast, <laughs> saying, uh, you know, basically it was like an angry an angry email towards me, um, and I, I'm just lost. I'm lost now. I. I tell you what, I I give up. Like really, I give up. Like sometimes you can give yourself. You you give so much of yourself. I mean, I have given so much of myself to this person, and I'm talking like love and support. You just yeah, I've had my moments. Yeah, I've been angry, and yeah, I've been upset when I felt like she didn't give it back to me. Um, you know, but I, I, I couldn't have given any more. I just couldn't. And what hurts me the most is that when I'm in trouble, 
like serious trouble and I've, I've, I've had things happen to my health and I've got, you know, serious health issues and I've got, you know, dra I've got dramas and problems of my own in my own life and um, whenever, whenever there was trouble for me, whenever I had problems, um, she, she didn't give the support and love back, you know, and that was always the issue, the issues I've had with her and now, um, now she just doesn't want to, you know, it's fine for me to, to be there for her when she wants to call me, when she wants all the love and support and, you know, I'm there for her and when it's the other way around, no. She's, she's not interested. Um, yeah, so that's that. I'm not even going to retaliate anymore. I, I give up. I just give up. Um, maybe I will still love her and be in love with her and maybe it will be hell, but I, I just give up, you know, I give up. Anyway, so back to Brexit. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it's funny, um. You know, the first podcast I talked about how me and Sue met, um, she's my ex, and she's the first ex-girlfriend I have that I'm really good friends with, and I actually realised the other week that we're like best friends, <laughs> uh, me and Sue, and it's funny because, you know, we were together for about five years, um, she knows everything, you know, she knows so much about me, um, she's, when I met Sue, um, I wasn't disabled, I am now, and so she's seen the transformation of what it's like for, for somebody to go through being healthy to becoming disabled, it's a, it's a huge life-changing thing that you, you, you know, like when I became disabled, um, I discovered parts of my personality that I didn't even know existed. You know, it, it pushed me to limits that... It pushed me to limits that I had no idea I was capable of. Um, trust me, like, if you think you know yourself, if you really think you know yourself, well, unless you go through something that is so life-changing that is so frustrating, that is so horrific, that horrifies you, you know, that makes you wish you were dead, you know, whether it be PTSD, maybe war or rape or something like that, um, it's, I mean, you'll say, oh, you can't compare, but I think you can, I think you can, you can compare something like an attack, a rape or a war to becoming disabled, it's, on the same level as, it's, it's, tra it's a trauma that you go through, it's like a high level of trauma, um, you know, if, if you're listening to this and you've got a healthy body, well, imagine if I turned around and I pointed a magic wand at you and tomorrow you can't walk anymore, you're bedridden, um, like, imagine that, imagine that happens to you, now you, if you're, if you've got a healthy body, right, you can't imagine it, trust me, you can't, 
And um, so you've no idea how you'll react, what that does to your psyche, what it does to you psychologically. Not just even how it affects you psychologically in the sense of like coming to terms with the fact that you're disabled, but what your day-to-day life is like. Like my day-to-day life when you're bedridden, right, is like, so for one day for you, 24 hours for a healthy person who can go to work, who can get up, who can do things, that day goes by on a normal 24-hour basis. For me, 24 hours is literally like a week. It feels like a week because you're just, you're just laying in bed, you know, you're just thinking about your illness, you, you, you have nothing to do, you know, you, yes, you've got your computer, of course, and yes, you've got, the, you've got TV, and yes, you can, you can write and do things, but with my type of illness, I can't do strenuous work things, you know, as soon as, like, for example, after I finish this podcast, I will be so exhausted, I won't be able to do anything for a long, long time, And when you're in constant pain, yeah, anyway, if you're in constant pain and you one day feels like a week, imagine what that does to you. It's like being in prison. That's exactly what it feels like. You know, you're trapped and trapped with your own boredom. The the pain is all all consuming Um, and it drives you insane. Like I, I, I went insane. When I first became disabled, that first year, I completely lost it. I lost it, and I did things that I never even knew I was capable of. Like you know, like I, I, I said things and I did things that were just like born out of a kind of frustration that was just like the bowels of hell. You know, I, I wanted to die. You know, I just wanted to die every single day, um, and I didn't have a proper care, so. You know, I wasn't going out, I wasn't seeing people, nobody visited me. And I had no idea of, like, how that would change me psychologically. Like, you know, it was mental. Sometimes I think to myself, I often, well, not any, I don't think this very often anymore, but I used to think to myself, if somebody, if somebody had told me when I was 25, that when I was 30, 31, that I would be bedridden 80% of my life. I'd be in constant chronic pain and I wouldn't be able to work. I wouldn't be able to wash myself properly. I wouldn't be able to cook for myself. I wouldn't be able to, you know, I basically would have the, if somebody had told me when I was 25 that in five years time, I'd have the body of an 85 year old. Um, I wonder what I would have done. Like, could you imagine telling me that at the age of 25? Would I have, you know, jumped off a cliff? Would I have, like, just kind of accepted it? Or, like, you know, would it, would it have driven me insane? You know, the, the five years waiting, like, until that happened? Like, I, I never in a million, gajillion years imagined that this would be my life, you know, in my, in my 30s. Not even like my 60s, not my 50s, you know, my 30s. My 30s, I thought I was going to have a family, you know. I thought I'd be, you know, I'd do well at my career and my job. I don't know, you know. I'd do all the things I 
that you think that you're going to do when you're 30, in your 30s. Um, yeah. And the thing about Sue, you know, she's my ex-girlfriend. Um, we became friends. Um, I mean, it's, it's complicated, but we just, you know, we just drifted apart in, in that way, in the, in, in the romantic sense. Um, but we still love each other, and she's become my best friend because, you know, she's seen, she knows me more than, at the moment, she actually knows me more than my family does. She, she knows me better than any other person in my life. And even though she drives me insane, and even though we have completely opposite political view, you know, we're, we're very different in, in a lot of ways, and that's why we argue a lot. Um, but she's been there for me, and, and, and not, well, she wasn't really, <laughs> she's been there, and she's seen, you know, she, she knows so much about my life, and more than anybody else currently does in my life, you know. Um, and it's funny, I, I always thought, when we, I never thought we'd, we'd be like that. I thought we'd break up and we'd move on. But actually, um, I'm quite grateful now that I have, I have her as a friend because, uh, I don't know, I keep meeting people. And I think, I think at the moment when I'm meeting people, I think they have an expectation of what I'm going to be. Um... And then when they realize that, you know, actually my life is difficult and I do struggle and I do need, you know, more affection and more support than a healthy person. And I think when they realize that, I think I become, I don't know if boring is the right word, but I think I become too much for them. You know, they, they think, oh yeah, I can deal with, I can deal with somebody who's disabled and you know, you're still, you're still Gemma, you still do things, you're still exciting, you're still fun, but then they realise I'm not, you know, I, 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 I have a difficult life, um, it's a struggle, I'm insecure, I'm weak, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not the same person as I was when I was healthy, um, and when I, now when I'm, I'm trying to date other women and meet people, you know, they, they get, I don't know, I think they get sucked into what my kind of personality and confidence can be when I'm my old self, when I'm trying to be me. But then I think once they get to know me um, and they realise I, you know, I'm, I'm difficult and I'm insecure and I need... Uh, you know, I, when I go when I go through difficulties, I I need support. You know, I need that kind of that love. And um, even when I'm, you see, the thing about when you, when you have a chronic illness, if you're and and you're disabled, like you get frustrated, and it 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 comes out in very, you know, aggressive way. Not like violence, but you know, I I get so frustrated because when you're in constant constant pain. Um, you 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 get tetchy, you know, um, and then because you feel weak on top of that, you feel so weak and vulnerable. So, you know, it's almost like you're a child in a, in a lot of ways, um, you know. And and people get fed up of that. They get fed up of, you know, me me needing needing all that love. And I, you know, it's not like I can't just I can't just you know go to the pub or go 
running or go swimming or go play football. You know, like when I was younger, when I was healthy, like if I got frustrated about life and things, you'd, you'd just go to work, you'd, you'd go out, you'd socialise, you'd do things. Um, but I can't do that. So when I'm frustrated, <laughs> I can't exercise it out. I can't go to the, get, you know, I mean, I very, very, very rarely I can, you know. Um, but yeah. Yeah, if you spend your day, you spend your life, most of your life in bed, um, you, it changes your whole personality completely. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. I think, I think people with chronic illnesses, I think that they, I know it must be a boring subject, or somebody told me once that it's not that people avoid me because uh, I'm boring, it's because I scare them, because when they see somebody like me, it, it means that it could happen to you, you know, like you, tomorrow you could have the same illness as me, I got it from nowhere, you know, um, and I think that scares people. But anyway, this has been the most depressing podcast in the entire world. <laughs> um, but yeah, I hope I hope you got a little bit of an understanding anyway um, about people who have chronic illnesses, invisible illnesses. Um, don't even like that. I'm going to do a whole podcast on that one day. Oh my god, like. Having an invisible illness is just the way people treat you is unreal. Like literally to the point where you know if you look healthy but you're not, if they if, they, if people can't see physically what's wrong with you and the pain that you're in, you get treated like oh, it's and it's even that adds to the frustration so much more. Is the fact that you're not you don't you don't you don't get sympathy. You know if I if I'm having a day where I can walk to the toilet. I can walk down the stairs. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm in constant, constant, constant pain. It never ends. And the only difference is, is that some days the pain is less enough for me to be able to walk and things like that. But people don't realize that I'm always in pain, you know. So some days I'll say, oh, Gemma, you look really healthy and good today. And I'll be like thinking, yeah, it feels like literally somebody stabbed me all night with a knife. But I'm just putting on a brave face, you know. But I don't tell them that. Anyway, that's a, that's a that's a whole other chat. So I've been on quite a roller coaster this podcast, from tears to <laughs> to ranting about Brexit to happiness to <laughs> to laughing about Sue. Um, yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry it was it got very depressing, but fuck it, it got real, you know. This is me. This is life. It's fucking shit sometimes um and yeah so i'll sign out with the creepy what was it um bye bye <laughs> no what was it um bye 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 <laughs>